Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, before we bring in the goth ninjas, a brief word about home title lock. Deborah's home was stolen. And I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean, scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. This story is why you need Home title log. Deborah says criminals found the title to her home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah also says she was evicted from her home and 85 grand in equity was disappeared, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. Folks, this is why you need to get home title log because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't know it. Then sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. And to get you started, I got you 60 risk-free days of protection. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Now the time has come to act, and act fast. I'm leaving. Can you get back here, you pious, can't wander? And no way that nobody's gonna leave this town. Hell, I was born here, and I was raised here, and that coming, I'm gonna die here. And no sidewinding, bushwhacking, horn swoggling, crocker crocker is gonna roll away. Push the cutter. Now, who can argue with that? Bob Seska. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hello. The Bob Seska Show. That was a brief word from our president right there. Holy God, what do you hear about this? From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, February 6, 2020, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by Bubble Genius. They sell soap there, so go there, bubblegenius.com, buy lots of soap. Oh, and hi, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 1,113 of the Trump crisis, 271 days until the 2020 presidential election, and let's bring in the God Ninjas, lots to talk about today. 
It is, uh, who are you people? <laughs> it is David Ferguson, also known as T-Rex of the T-Rex Report, which you can find at patreon.com slash the T-Rex Report, and Jody Hamilton of the <laughs> From the Bunker Podcast, which you can find at from-the-bunker.com. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was great. I'm very caffeinated. Yeah, Let me just leap into the breach there. <laughs> thank you for stepping in. I, I am just, I got to tell you, I'm completely blown away, uh, not in a good way, by what I think we all just watched on television. Donald Trump doing his whiniest of all whiny victory laps for the better part of an hour, maybe a little bit more in the White House. No script, no teleprompter. Holy fuck, what just happened? Where do we begin with this? We have lots to talk about today. Of course, we're going to talk about the State of the Union. We're going to talk about Iowa. We're going to talk about all that crap. We're going to talk about Mitt Romney. But before we get into any of it, we have to uh, break down everything that Donald Trump just said. Well, not everything. And I, and I assure you, I'm not going to play any clips. I have no clips of Donald Trump saying any of this shit, whether it's Tiny Trump or Trump himself. doesn't matter. But we don't need those clips. Make no mistake what this was. Anyone's wondering, what the hell is this that we're watching right now? That was one of the uh, most dominant sets of tweets that uh, were coming down during the event. Well, what this event was, was a celebration of a successful cover-up. It was Donald Trump doing a victory lap in celebration of the cover-up, and he invited all of his accomplices to appear with him and then proceeded to roast most of them. I mean, and not... (laughs) Not in a way where they're going to walk away going, well, I feel really good about myself and what the president just said about me. And, you know, I God bless America. And God bless Donald Trump. It was like he was trying to get them all in trouble. And, <laughs> and he didn't even realize what he was doing. So first thing he did, though, was he confessed once again to the reason why. We all remember why, or at least how he explained his firing of James Comey. Uh, right afterwards, when he was talking to Lester Holt, the whole Russia thing with Trump and Russia, he's talking about that. And Donald Trump can't help but to confess and to dare people to hold him accountable for those confessions. And so he said once again, and this is almost right at the beginning of his remarks, he said, if I hadn't fired James Comey, I might not be standing here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Holy Shit. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Fuck him. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. You know what it reminds me of? Years ago, the Atlanta Zoo paid some obscene amount of money for like a silver bearded gorilla or something. <laughs> I, and they gave him a I funny like where, nickname. Wait, 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 wait. I like where this is going. Please continue. <laughs> well, they got him, and then all he did was sit around and play with himself all day. Just like right out in the middle of the gorilla display. And then he would fling his splooge at at people who came to the zoo. Wow. Um, and that's just what this reminds me of. And I can't remember the gorilla's name, but like we yeah. went and I didn't actually go see, I don't really like zoos very much. They make me sad, yeah. but my brother went and he came back with this look in his eye and I was like, what's going on? He's like, he was um, spanking the monkey as it were. Um. <laughs> I'm just imagining the look in your brother's eye. You know, your brother who's in that band. <laughs> this is Donald Trump jerking off for the entire cable news viewing public, which thank you once again, CNN and MSNBC for 
covering every minute of that disaster. And, you know, quite honestly, I'm glad they did. Because I think every American voter, before they step in the voting booth this fall, should have to watch that speech, whatever the fuck that was, from top to bottom, and absorb every word of it before they go in and pull a lever. If not only to change their minds, but at the very least to shame them for supporting Uh this man. Shame on every single one of the 62 million people who cast a ballot in support of this insufferable, loathsome maniac who is now unleashed to do whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck he wants, including whatever the hell this was today. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he actually said himself. I mean, again... It's not me going, I don't know what this was. It was him. He said, this is not a news conference. It's not a speech. It's not anything. That's a direct quote this from- This ain't no fooling around. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't no mud club, no CBGB. Anyway. This ain't no disco. <laughs> this no, ain't it no- ain't. <laughs> this ain't is no LA. This is whining. Okay, here's the first thing. This is one of the reasons why I am so immensely fired up right now launching in today's show. You can probably tell by the tone of my voice. But he said at one point, we're a bunch of suckers. He's, this wow. is the president of the United States talking about the United States. We're a bunch of suckers. You know what? You know what, Republicans, with your patriotic virtue signaling since 9-11 at the very least? Go fuck yourself. Seriously. Go fuck yourself. I don't want to hear ever again that the left is unpatriotic and that we should either love the country or leave it. Your president just said that the United States is a bunch of suckers. Mm Mm-hmm. How dare you evaluate the left? How dare you shame the well, Dixie shit? He got elected, didn't he? <laughs> well, I mean, that is yes, true. Yes, suckers. I mean, well, I mean, sixty-two I million it's... people are suckers. That's for sure. But I mean, the rest of us are not are not suckers. We didn't get fished in by Russian propaganda. That there didn't were over ever. seventy-two million, almost seventy-three million of us that actively voted against him. That's right. I know. That's I was right. One of them. Right. And so, you know, these are the same people who are applauding Donald Trump when he says we're a bunch of suckers. These are the same Mm -hmm. people who shame the Dixie Chicks for daring Mm -hmm. to say we're ashamed to be from Texas because of George W. Bush. That was the extent of what they said. And they they couldn't work for years. Mm -hmm. They were pariahs because of that. Um, Bill Bill Maher. Bill Maher was famously kicked off the air, kicked off his ABC show. Because he agreed with Dinesh D'Souza when Dinesh D'Souza said, we're cowards for launching missiles from miles away when the terrorists walk right up and blow things up with the, you know, the bombs attached to their bodies. That's right. what, Bill Maher was merely agreeing with that, and Bill Maher got kicked off the air. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, the guy who has spent so many years shaming a football player for daring to protest during <laughs> the national said that we're a bunch of suckers. Seriously, people. People, uh, if you're a Trump supporter and you're listening to the sound of my voice, first of all, why are you listening to this show? Second of all, <laughs> seriously, and don't run them off. Maybe they're actually learning something. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, really. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. <sighs> Sorry, I know this is gonna be a lot of f words today, but but we've I mean, we again and again and again and again from Clarence Thomas to the Clinton impeachment to yeah. this. I mean, we've watched Democrats play fair and mm-hmm. try to play by the rules and Republicans playing to win at any cost. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so 
that's why we end up with, you know, an adult daycare in the White House where we have a president who literally can't string a sentence together. Right, right. Without mm-hmm. going on a crazy coke rant. Because the the bar is so much lower for the right. And it's because they don't play fair. They, yeah. they, they don't. You know, and we have to figure out a way to counter that, I guess. with I mean, everyone's like, you don't need to get down in the dish with them. I'm like, well, then they keep kicking the feet out from under us. You know? Yeah. I just, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Right. I admire Michelle Obama. She's one of my favorite people in, in the public view. Uh, you know, I like the idea that she said, uh, when they go low, we go high. That's, that's nice and admirable to say that. But you know what? I prefer the Eric Holder version of that. When they go low, we kick them. <laughs> And that's yes. what I think. <laughs> Their faces. Yeah, especially after this. Especially after the President of the United States called the people of the United States a bunch of suckers. And, and as if that wasn't bad enough, he also said bullshit, once again, publicly uh, yes, on national mm-hmm. television. It was all bullshit, yep. he said, on the Russia investigation. Way to keep it presidential there. Mm-hmm. And, and then it gets really weird. This is when he And starts- then it gets weird? Yes, it's not even at, it's not, we're not even at the weird This is when the wheels actually left the runway (laughs) and it began to skid into the underbrush, you know? That's right. Oh man, because then he started talking about all of his plotters, all of his co-conspirators in the audience. And he had everyone there. He's got to have all his people there to applaud him. He brings out the entire cabinet. He brings out members of Congress. Mitch McConnell was there. Steve Scalise was there. Jim Jordan was there. Mark Meadows was there. In fact, Mark Meadows got up and kissed Trump's ass for a little bit there, too. I'm so honored to serve a president as righteous and as handsome as the (laughs) large-handed President Donald J. Trump. You know, and it's just, uh, it's just really old man. Yeah. Go back to sleep. Uh, but so he gets around to talking to his fanboys and his co-conspirators. One of them being Steve Scalise. And this was so fucking weird because, you know, I've talked about this a lot. The Donald Trump, for some reason, because he is phenomenally screwed up in the head. Donald Trump is fascinated by the grisly details of tragedies. I think the first time I noticed this was when he was talking about Andrew Jackson and he got to something, he landed on something that he remembered from his brief history lesson about Andrew Jackson. It happened to be about Jackson's wife. And he was like so utterly fascinated by the fact that Andrew Jackson's wife died and so he was like, she died. She died. Andrew Jackson's wife died. He loves the blood and the gore and the weirdness, and he likes to stick his hands in and rub it on his face. He's such a weirdo. Well, think about it. Your seven-year-old nephew telling a story. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's what, exactly. That's exactly what he's gravitating toward, the things that make the kids take the red and the black crayons out of the box or right. the blood and guts, you know? I mean, he really has the emotional development of a child. So he's talking about Steve Scalise, and, and this is the portion of the thing where he's roasting everybody, and he's talking about Steve Scalise and the Steve Scalise shooting. Remember that? This is something that you really mm-hmm. want to talk about during a victory lap, during a celebration of your big acquittal in your Senate trial after being impeached and disgraced. Uh, So he goes off. (laughs) He actually said to Steve Scalise, Scalise is sitting right there, probably with post-traumatic stress disorder from the shooting itself. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're better looking now after being shot. 
the presence. The after being shot is just uh-huh. the context. Yeah. But he said, he said yeah. to Steve, you're better looking now. So Steve Scalise, so much better looking now that he's been, you know, shot and was on the verge of death. I mean, didn't they announce that he was dead at one point? Like he was on like clinging to life. Like he almost. They announced he was in intensive care and that okay. before he went to this surgery. But I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking this is the NRA trying to market this as a spa treatment. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> They like see their looming irrelevance and they're like, hmm. Yeah. Maybe if we convince people that getting shot will make them more beautiful, we can market this as a rejuvenation technique. Right. I mean, so it's the new Botox, you know? Right. <laughs> and then of, shot. And then of course he was going off about the bullets and how, what the bullets do to the human bodies or what the bullet did to right. Steve Scalise. He was like, the bullet rips you apart. It rips you apart. You know that that somber voice that he does. He goes where yes. he barely moves his mouth, and it's like really whispery. And it's just like all of the muscles in his face go limp. And he goes, "A bullet rips you apart. It rips you uh, apart." It's really creepy and ghastly. That's what it's designed to do. And he goes, "That's, he goes, that's what face. it's designed to do." <laughs> that's what it's God. designed to do. It was designed to. And and by the way, we're which not is exactly be- what someone who survived a critical shooting injury wants to talk about. Yeah. No shit. You know, exactly. they want to be vividly reminded of their flesh being torn apart by a right. hot piece of lead. You know, it's like going to a person who's, you know, the, talking to a widow of a hanged man being like, you know, I really like the nylon rope. Yeah. It, it's just like it, it cuts right into the neck and doesn't have all those hairy fibers sticking <laughs> off of it. Right. You know, like. Right. Uh, well, what is he doing? I, I mean, I, I, yeah, he was roasting a guy, roasting a member of Congress for being shot. That's basically what it was. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't it great when you were shot? I mean, remember the bullets hitting you and going through you and all the blood and the guts, and then they had to operate you, and you were almost dead. And then he said, and then he said, the next game. Then he talked about the next game and the how next terrible ga- a baseball player he is. Uh, yes. And then he said, if the right people weren't there yeah we might be celebrating something else he said so (laughs) celebrating jody's reaction i i i i I can't i just can't yeah where's that you you can you you can do that was i mean that was basically i'm just kind of imagining cool in the gang celebrate dead congressman come on you know like Jesus. What in the world? I mean, I mean, you would be celebrating something else. I mean, let's back what? up. I mean, he basically said if there weren't first responders there at the game, we might be celebrating something else. What is that? He, we might be celebrating the death what? of Steve Scalise? Is that was he? I, yeah. What was the I? The bravery don't know. of the first responders? I, I, I don't. I. I, I, you, I, I, you, I you, Exactly. You want. It's just. Jesus. I tell you, Gorilla in the Atlanta Zoo, just spanking it. Yeah. Just in everybody's <laughs> face. Just like, you paid a million dollars for me, and this is what I'm going to do. You sit here and just yank it in all your faces. And, and it gets crazier from here because then he lands on. Jim Jordan, and he's talking about <laughs> Jim Jordan's amazing body. He was like going off, <gasps> no incredible oh, body. Gross. And and look, and he said, then I took a look at your ears, and your ears look like wrestler ears. And he's just like, what the fuck are you? T- oh my god! And then he's <laughs> and then he's talking about how Jim Jordan was a wrestling coach and how the wrestlers. The wrestlers grabbed him, he said. Oh, he said, my. Those, those and embraced him. And embra- <laughs> In the showers. Jim Jordan's Without got- their singlets. 
<laughs> oh, Hold on. I just, I, 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 See, I, stop making him laugh, David. Stop it. Just. I was la- I, I'm sorry. I was laughing so hard I pulled my headphones out of the uh, socket. <laughs> those, those, those wrestlers grabbed him. I mean, wow. Jim Jordan's got to be sitting there going, Shut Well, when you're famous, sh- they, yeah. they let you. Yeah, yeah so when you're famous, they let you. Exactly. You can do whatever you want. Boom. Oh, my God. Jim Jordan had to be going, please stop talking. Please stop talking. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I wish I could have seen his face. I wish I could have watched the beads of sweat pop out on his waxy gray congressman face. Right, right. And he's like, can we, and like doing the little cross the neck gesture with a hand, like not the wrestlers in the embracing. No, just. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had to have been in his head going, what? What What's the hell are right you now? doing? Yeah, what is happening? Like, Why this is you... the last thing I want mentioned in conjunction with my name in the in front of the entire world. I mean, Why? Why? The only worst thing Trump could have done is say, oh, look at Jim Jordan right there. People say he's a molester, that he looked, exactly. at, all, <laughs> that he looked at all of these naked boys and didn't say anything. And when Donald Trump is in a position where he's got to improvise like that, he's got nothing prepared, this is kind of what happens. This but may... it's like, the, again, the seven-year-old. It's like... Like the one thing mm-hmm. we told you not to talk about, Donald. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like the, he's, don't talk about the wrestlers, okay? And he's like, Jim Jordan, wrestlers. Oh, I'm not like, supposed to talk about that. Oh, but I already talked about it. So now I got to keep going. You yeah, know? It's like, like that kids in the hall sketch. Don't put salt in your eye. Don't put salt in your eye. Don't put salt in your eye. 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 It's And by the way, did you hear this, what he said? I want to apologize to my family for having them to have to go through a phony, rotted deal, some very evil and sick people. And Ivanka is here and my sons. And my whole family. And that includes Baron. And that includes Baron. As if he wow. doesn't include him normally? That he just professored in Marianne, his his youngest son. son. Yeah. <laughs> and all the well, rest. Well, I mean, what about poor Tiffany? She's not there at all. Oh no, he never counts her. Never, She's happy. The whole about family's it. here. Tiffany. Except that except, one daughter who I never talked about. The chick that I don't like. Um, yeah. <laughs> I always talk about how his uh, CPAC speech, which um, I seem to recall was either earlier in 2019 or in 2018. I forget exactly what it was. He delivered a CPAC speech that was like two and a half hours of unmitigated gibberish and screeching. And mm-hmm. you uh, watched it. You were the only person in the world that watched it who wasn't in the room, I think. Yeah, I've seen so many of these things. So I feel like I'm uh, experienced enough to be able to evaluate what he's doing and where this all lands in the pantheon of his most ridiculous public appearances. And this is either number one or number two. It's a fight between this and the CPAC speech. And it's really hard to top that CPAC speech because the CPAC speech also had lots of crazy faces and uh, more performance art in it. This was just like... <laughs> he didn't stick a yam up his backside, did he? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's next time. He's emboldened that's now. That's a Karen so. Finley reference for those of you who are keeping up at home. Go on. Um. <laughs> so I have to almost insist that as homework, we all watch this thing. Watch it and imagine this is his victory speech on November 4th of this oh, of this year. Imagine that. And now act accordingly. Because, I mean, what greater excuse do we need to completely electorally destroy him than what he said today and the fact that he was, uh, or he's at least claiming exoneration by the United States Senate um, after committing these crimes and, and now 
not only is he going to continue committing the same crimes for which he was impeached, but he's probably now inventing all new ways to cheat in the election uh, on top mm-hmm. of all kinds of other awfulness. I mean, remember, there's still an IRS whistleblower out there. They're still saying uh-huh. that someone in the White House, probably Trump, maybe Pence, uh, blocked this automatic auditing process for the president and the vice president. I mean, that's one of the allegations. Also remember, too, that we're going to get a Supreme Court decision on Trump's tax returns in June, I think it is. So that's still on well, the way, Well, this is too. what I was talking with you about before the show. I think winning this impeachment may be one of the worst things that's ever happened to Donald Trump, in that everything Donald Trump does makes things worse for Donald Trump. Yes. And it just reminds me of, like, you know, winning the election destroyed half of right-wing media. Mm-hmm. Glenn Beck, gone. Breitbart.com, gone. Yeah. Milo Yiannopoulos, gone. Right. I mean, it's like these people are, A, sore winners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't stop being assholes even when they're on top. So they eventually go down faster than everybody else. Yeah. But I just, like, I think that he it, it's going to be even more unhinged now and that, like, more information is going to keep coming out. And it's going to be a long, weird summer. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be an even weirder spring. I mean, I remember you and I, David, talking uh, over text or something like that uh, during the 2008 uh, Democratic primary and thinking, oh, my God, the world is falling apart. Hillary and Obama going after each other like this. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. When is it going to end? And who knew? that we would be in the place where we are right now, where not only do we have this existential threat sitting here in the Oval Office prepared to do anything he fucking wants because he thinks that he's now omnipotent, that he has powers over everybody. Um, But on on top of that, we've got um, a Democratic primary that, contrary to my hopes, and no one ever listens to me... (laughs) (laughs) Can we get a a presumptive nominee as quickly as fucking possible so we can unite the party and focus on destroying this insufferable sack of trans fats in the White House? And and here we are. I don't think that's fair to trans people. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, we now have a situation with Iowa. And honest to God, it is being blown way out of proportion. Um, we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, but now we've got a new development. And so far as Tom Perez has announced, uh, enough is enough in light of the problems that have emerged in the implementation of the delegate selection plan. And in order to assure public confidence in the results, I'm calling on the Iowa Democratic Party to immediately begin a re-canvas. So now they're going to start counting all over again. You know, and okay, well, you guys do that, and we're just going to go elsewhere. Do yeah. your thing, Iowa. You do you. We no longer care. Please step aside. Yeah. Please wait in the hall. I just right. have several seats. In fact, have an entire stadium of seats, Iowa. You're the whitest place on earth. I don't know why we're starting the first Democratic, like, significant action on who's going to be a candidate in a place that has no black and Latino people. Well, I think, you just, know what? It's funny because we're. I think we're all generally in agreement with that. So I feel like... Why don't we just move on and and focus on New Hampshire? This should be the death of the Iowa caucus. Please, no more. Probably next time. Actually, Michael Steele of all people, you know, you know, Muppet and former RNC head <laughs> was actually. <laughs> I was in total agreement with him. The other night. He's like, we need just a one national primary. Yeah, you know, this yeah. Whole patchwork <laughs> thing is just ridiculous. And by I'm the way, this is Michael Steele's new theme song of the show. 
Since he is a Muppet, I thought maybe I'd wheel this out. He but really, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, his head hinges from the back. Have you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, Right. Well, you know, I'm so hesitant to refer to this as a disaster uh, because so many people are already looking at it and going, oh, my God, because you know what? It's a clusterfuck of global proportions. It is a cock up and a half. Well, no, look, I mean, three and (laughs) this is this has happened before. It happened on the Uh Republican side in 2012. Stephanie Miller was talking about it this morning. It took them two weeks to come up with a winner on the Republican side in the Iowa caucus in 2012. I mean, remember that the Republicans couldn't even organize the introductory walkouts before a debate. Remember the traffic jam uh-huh. that occurred with Ben Carson? <laughs> I mean, you know, and that was before Donald Trump ended up in this miraculous victory of his. So, you know, this is something that is a lot more complicated, I would say, than introducing the candidates before I a debate. I just feel like the Iowa caucus is just, I mean, and the whole New Hampshire, just the way we do it is like waiting for the groundhog to come out of its hole, except <laughs> it actually affects policy yeah. and who gets elected. I, it needs to be just completely discarded along with the Electoral College. It's outdated. It's antiquated. I mean, we might as well be like, you know, gutting a chicken and reading its entrails on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's just completely voodoo. It's, well, I'm like, yeah, but this. I mean, Goodbye. that's what I mean. I feel bad for the people who worked very, very hard for their candidates uh, for the last uh, year and a half or so in Iowa, on the ground, canvassing, doing everything, uh, volunteering. I feel bad for those people, but mm-hmm. I-, I feel like see, right Democratic now... Democratic operatives don't just need to be clustering in Iowa for 18 months. They need to be in Alabama, where kids have 19th century diseases like rickets yeah. and hookworm, <laughs> you know, because there's no health care and no education. And, you know, like for God's sake, look around. Yeah. It's one of the reasons people in the South don't really relate to the Democratic Party is because they never fucking come here. Yeah. They don't even run a candidate against our congressman in my district. Mm-hmm. Like he just Doty Heist, this horrible creationist shitbag from the Tea Party, <laughs> just runs unopposed every single time. And it's like, what happened to the fifty state strategy? It's like, no, yeah. you're concentrating all these resources on Iowa. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, guys, no. This is, I mean, it's medieval. It's time to let it go because there are parts of the country that really need direct action in terms of healthcare, in terms of just like, in literacy and education. And it's just, it. sorry, I'm on my soapbox now because it's just like the Democratic Party just like, it just falls all over itself for Ohio and Florida and Iowa. And it's just like, guys, there are people hurting out here. And it's yeah. one of the reasons they don't vote for you because they don't see any tangible benefit. From mm-hmm. I think by the time New Hampshire is done and we're moved on and Super Tuesday is around the corner, Iowa is going to be forgotten. And I think we're all in agreement that Iowa probably should be forgotten. So let's just forget it and move on and, and focus on the... Uh, whatever it is, 55 uh, more primaries and caucuses that are still to come between the states and the territories. Mm-hmm. So let's just do right. that and stop dwelling on the Iowa situation because this happens. This happens that sometimes. That said, yeah. the steadiness and calmness with which Buttigieg has just kind of greeted this whole thing, it's really kind of made me see him anew as a viable candidate. Yeah, I think so. I didn't want to instinctively go for him because as a gay white guy, I didn't really want to be like, okay, that's my candidate because that's the person who I identify with. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's just identity politics and blah, blah, blah. And I thought we really do need a woman or a person of color. But if he's going to be the nominee, I can get with it. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, I'm not endorsing anybody. 
everybody at this point. Uh, certainly, I'm taking a closer look at uh, Pete Buttigieg right now because of the performance in Iowa. Uh, the polls are showing a, a more competitive uh, ongoing race, which scares the shit out of me. And there's going to be a collision, I think, between these long timers who have been campaigning in the primaries for quite some time now and some of the the newer people i think there's going to be a, a butting of heads at some point in the not too distant future between the mike bloomberg group and the group that now exists as the front runners uh sanders warren and Buttigieg. and i hope all of this shakes out so that we have a presumptive nominee at least with a reasonable amount of time before the conventions <laughs> So that we can unify and focus on Trump. It absolutely has to go down that way. Has to. You know, sweet, I, oh, you guys, sweet summer child. Have you guys been hearing this this um, rumor, I guess, that they're going to allow the superdelegates to vote on the first roll call now in the convention and a bunch of the Bernie bros are coming at me going, oh, they're changing all the rules. Oh, it's, fuck. Tom Perez is saying that's not happening, so I'm going to have to go with what he is saying at the moment. Um, because he's the head of the DNC. Yeah. I, I'm just, you know, I, and the the thing with Iowa, part of the problem was the new rules that were put into place in order to help people like Bernie Sanders. Uh -huh. yep. A lot of the precincts didn't know the new rules, and like the first, like if your 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 first choice candidate was viable. There you go. Yeah. And then if your first choice candidate wasn't, then you got to vote for another candidate that was considered viable. So that that's why, why Pete Buttigieg's numbers went up in certain precincts and other people's numbers went mm -hmm. up in certain precincts. But what according to what this one article I read, some people at different precincts would then take votes away from a first tier person and that's not what it's supposed to be once you have those first tier votes those stick with you yeah and so there is a problem with that there's a problem with them not signing the proper paperwork i mean this is all human error and nothing is on purpose yet my niece who is a bernie freak um god bless her um <laughs> she's like it's totally intentional and then i wrote back to her and i said look then how about iowa not be the first how about we get rid of caucuses how about california do it first and go from there yeah yeah and I think these primaries, uh, especially, should just be winner-take-all primaries. That's what the Republicans I do, I think, on the on the primary so. side. Yeah, yeah. So they, you just do that. And the other thing that this confirms for me is switching over to some form of ranked choice voting. It might hurt more than it helps because yeah. it is very, very complicated. <laughs> I everyone who says, you know what I like, I like ranked choice voting, and then I reply to them. Well, please explain ranked choice voting. And it's like, oh, I can't, what, I, I don't, I, you, I, I, you can, you, you do that, That's <laughs> usually my response to, to the ranked choice. I mean, I kind, I kind of, of understand what it is, but it, you get the point that this new caucus process, the caucus blockus in Iowa, has been <laughs> complex. And I think if we move to a ranked choice, it just needs to be simplified. We need a national popular vote. It'd be great if we just did all the primaries and caucuses and everything on the same day, like we do with the general election. I don't see any harm in doing that. Um, well, it, uh, just so you know, I'm an absentee voter here in the beautiful state of California. Yeah. I got my ballot yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, they have changed how we vote now. First off, now we can uh, register the vote the same day. Oh, good. Um, they guarantee that your provisional ballot will be counted as long as you can prove that you are eligible to vote in your county. Mm -hmm. And we no longer have polling places. Basically, we have 11 days of voting starting February 22nd. For me, it's now. As soon as I mail it in, I'm voted. Mm -hmm. um, I can drop off my ballot. But instead of like where it used to be my neighborhood, I had to vote in that precinct. Now we can vote anywhere in the county. 
Wow. Nice. Which is which is good and can be potentially bad because now every precinct, you know, every voting center is what they call them, will have to have an entire list of all of L.A. County registered oh, yeah, voters. Yeah. So it's good and bad, but by the same token, we have 11 days to vote. Why don't we do the uh, purple thumb thing that they do? Like, hand write it in. You know, yeah. I mean, and this is a paper ballot, so it can be paper hand counted. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. yeah. And this is the first time this year that um, I don't have to put a stamp on my mail in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great because you used to have to stamp it. I mean, it literally cost people money to be an absentee voter, and now it doesn't. <laughs> that's right, which is kind of a poll tax, isn't it? It's even, exactly a poll tax, even if it only is whatever a stamp costs forty-four cents. I don't know whether forty-nine stamp is. cents. My question cents. is whether or not they, you know, now that Biden has begun his name recognition bubble has popped, and he was in, I think, fourth. Yeah, yeah. In mm-hmm. Iowa, like, uh, do the Republicans still want Hunter Biden? To, I mean, it's, yeah. they wasted all this time and energy on on a candidate that we could have told you way back, you know, last year this time was not going to be the nominee. Yeah, and I don't think it's the Barisma thing that is holding Biden back no. at this point. But he's from a different time. Yeah. He right. is a man of a different era. He is yeah. a politician of the Tip O'Neill era, you know, and it's just a different game now. We can't play nice with Republicans like he seems to always right. reflexively want to do because yeah. they're his coworkers than they have been for 50 freaking years. Yeah. So it's part of it is that just he's like too much a creature of the old guard. And it's not mm-hmm. that he is old per se and frail and in poor health. It's just that his thinking, I think, belongs to a previous era. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I feel like people are, were ultimately always going to turn away from him because even when he was, you know, the vice president, he would say and do things that you were like, oh, God, Uncle Joe, like, please right. come to the 21st century. Right. Um, yeah. So... I, you know, and we've been saying it was inevitable that you know always the previous vice president polls high in early polls because people know the freaking name. Yeah, right. And we knew that bubble was going to pop, and so I just want to kind of turn around to the Republicans and be like, ha-ha! you know, you spent all this time running around Ukraine mm-hmm. with thugs like Lev and Igor yeah. for nothing, for bubkis, you know, for a guy that wasn't even going to be the nominee. So, like, you know, that's how what I think of your intelligence gathering capabilities. Well, we have uh, Valentine's Day coming up. It is a week from Friday, uh, February 14, I think it is. Well, imagine yes. imagine this Valentine's Day story is all about you. You're getting ready to go into a restaurant where you're, you're meeting your date there. Maybe it's a blind date. You don't know. It's Valentine's Day. Anything can happen. But glancing in the mirror, you go, gah, oh, my God, those wrinkles and large on eye bags staring right back at you in the rearview mirror. So you have to rummage through your bag thinking, where's that secret weapon? Where's your canister of Plexiderm? And then... There it is. You dig it out. You find it. You apply the, the clear serum under your eyes, and boom! Two minutes later, you <laughs> you start seeing. I just pictured eyes. large Marge. <laughs> <laughs> so you apply this clear serum under your eyes, and. Boom! Two minutes later, you start seeing under eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. Plexiderm is clinically studied to uh, visibly eliminate your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in just a matter of minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift for yourself. Go to triplexiderm.com, enter the code VOICES for half off, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. Again, enter VOICES, that's the new promo code, at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. You can also get this offer by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES to the operator and say hi, be friendly. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so to get my special discount, enter VOICES at triplexiderm.com. Again, triplexiderm.com. 
Com. Deborah's home was stolen. Now, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. The Bob Seska Show. Yeah, this is Jason Lee McKinney Band. Blues in Bahrain is the name of the song. And I love this. I miss you, baby. Some half a world away. I need you, lady. Since Yeah, we got links in the description for all of our indie bands here on the show. Go to bobseska.com. Click the podcast page for this particular show. And all the links are right there waiting for you to buy and support all of our amazing indie bands on the show uh any you know i meant to tell you after we did the we did the after party last week which was a lot of fun yes it was great fun thank you for filling Um, in for kimberly on the after party appreciated that there was a tribute night at one of the clubs here in athens that night where there was a, a band playing yes a band playing rush and a band playing the who and i was like this would be a total like three course meal for Bob. Uh, yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you. Yes, it would have been. Holy shit! So that's great. What were they? Just tribute bands, or did they happen to play those covers the, of those? No, bands? they're regular. They're Athens bands that were just doing Rush songs and Who songs and Yes songs that night. Wow. Oh man. I would have been in heaven. Yeah, that would me have just too. Been heaven for well, me. Well, see, next time I see something like that coming in advance, I'll let you know, and you can actually make that trip down here and see this weird little magic fairyland that I live in, Athens, Georgia. That's like. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I did another indie music countdown on Sunday, so go to uh where wherever you get your podcast, go to the Bob Seska show and you can find the indie music countdown there. It's also on its own channel in the music section wherever you get your podcast. And uh I tried something new on the indie music countdown this time around. I tried to talk less. I actually did the thing that I used to hate when I was in radio, the more music less talk thing. <laughs> I rolled that out on the indie music because I thought maybe maybe I'm talking too much. Maybe I should just let the music speak for itself and still make sure that everyone knows what they're hearing and where to find that music. I did that, but I didn't talk over every single song like I like I normally do. Uh, so it's fun. It was at least fun for a change of pace. I'd love to hear more comments in terms of whether or not I should keep doing it that way or if I should go back to talking up each song right up to the lyrics. So you know, we'll we'll see what happens with the uh, with with all of the. I'm uh, gonna jump in here as a musician and say we spend a lot of time on the first 
30 seconds of a song. I know. Because we are aware that this is, you know, a front-loaded business, and if we don't grab your attention right away, yeah. you're going to wander. That's right. So maybe, yeah, go ahead and let the music play. Yeah. And then talk after. Yeah. It's kind of like me and musicals. I'm like, there's like talk radio and there's music radio. And mm. I want to, if I want to listen to people talk, I listen to talk radio. If I want to listen to music, I listen to music radio. And it's like, <laughs> if I want to go see an opera, I see an opera. And if I want to see a play, I see a play. But please, yeah. like having to go to jerkly, jerkily move from play to opera or you know everyone stops and starts dancing and singing in the middle of a scene where they were just talking and standing around it's yeah i don't know i hate that well now the vote is split uh, among uh, co-hosts on this show buzz says <laughs> buzz actually said more talk more talk is fine we like the talking and now t-rex has weighed in Less talk. So it's one-to-one. Now, we're going to have to leave it up to, especially our Patreon listeners. I got to hear from uh, uh, Ziggy Blue, and I got to hear from Ted the Cat, I got to hear from Beth, I got to hear from Andrew Coutinho, the entire roster of our our favorite Patreon supporters over there, too. I want to hear them all checking in. Uh, As far as the more music, less talk thing on the Indie Music Countdown, now... There's got to be a happy medium. Uh, yeah, and I Indeed. think uh, you know what I I think I kind of reached it on this first go yeah. around with the less talk thing, where um, it was a little more relaxing for me. I didn't feel as uh, uh, committed to having to say things at the beginning of every song, so it was kind of nice to just let the music speak for itself. But that's my opinion. I'm not the I'm not one of our nine listeners, so uh, you know it's 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 up to everybody else. Uh, okay, so what the fuck is wrong with Trump? I know that's a big fat loaded question but i'm talking about his physical well-being his Mm -hmm. whatever mental condition he may or may not have it was kind of on full display during that again that horrendous state of the union on uh tuesday night and uh one of the many things i noticed that lead me to this conclusion that there's something physically wrong with the man is that uh he couldn't stand up straight he couldn't let go of the Mm -hmm. podium it was like the podium was holding him up stephanie miller said on the show the other day she said that it was like he was holding on to that door at the end of titanic he was like leonardo (laughs) dicaprio just oh my god if i let go of this door i'm gonna drown and uh i think winning is terrible for him i think he sucks at it yeah i think that he's actually much Mm -hmm. better at clawing up from under uh and so we will see well how this next few months plays out because i don't think i I think this is going to bring out all of his most self-destructive and like bizarre instincts oh Uh god yeah and we saw it on display today at the very least but this is one of the reasons uh i'm bringing this up is uh on a couple of occasions donald trump did that thing where he mispronounces a word and then pretends as if he meant to say that word he tries to retcon Mm -hmm. it into his actual remarks well he did that the other day and, and i'll set this up visually he was glued to the teleprompter screen on his left. He barely ever went to the one on his right. And I'll tell you exactly why that was. Because if he did, he would lose his place. He is terrible at mm, reading yeah. things. So as his security blank, he just kind of, he hung on to that um, podium like he was humping it. And then he just, his eyes were glued to that teleprompter screen. <laughs> and so at this he point- He moved on it like a bitch. <laughs> that's right. And they, and they, <laughs> when you're a celebrity, they let you, the podiums. Right. Uh, but yes. so at some point he did, during this passage I'm about to play, he tried to turn desperately to the other teleprompter screen. And you see his big fat eyeballs, his crazy eyes, moving first like his head is still facing 
that one teleprompter, the left side teleprompter, and then his eyes get really big and he's looking over at the right one. Okay, I'm going to move over there. He's still talking. He's still talking. And as he transitions, he says the wrong word. And as he says the wrong word, he gets like, like a, you know, the douche chills. Do you ever get the douche? Like, like, he, mm-hmm. like his whole body jerks. When he says the wrong word, which leads into the lead of his, it's possible that it was the teleprompter, but it's also possible that he was having some sort of neurological spasm right as he was making that transition over to the other teleprompter. Here, I'll play the audio and see if you can tell. Uh, you can certainly tell when he fucks up. Here we go. And by the way, this is not Tiny Trump. Spoiler warning, this is regular Trump. I thought we'd have to hear it in its natural state uh, without uh, adjusting the audio. So here's Donald Trump uh, having some sort of weird body spasm during his State of the Union. Money orchestrated the deaths of countless men, women, and children. He directed the December assault. That's it. And went on to assault. December assault. U.S. Yes. forces in Iraq. And then went on to assault, he said. Right. So he right. directed the December assault. And then he tries to work the word, the actual word assault into uh, the rest of what he was saying. But as you mean he could be, maybe he meant Nancy Dussault because her last name is spelled Dussault. Mm. <laughs> That's you're stretching there, uh, Miss Hamilton, I think, but <laughs> it could be. I mean, who the fuck knows? But when he says December Dussault. Yes. Yeah, that really like, sounds like the name of a right wing pundit to me. You know, <laughs> December yeah. Desault. We got a new DeSalt. essay from in Politico from December Desault, You know, and she's uh-huh. you know, about how the liberals are the real sexists. Yes. Exactly. They, you know, it's just yeah. Let's bring in McKay Coppins and December Desault. December Desault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And coming up next, Diamond and Silk. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Let's hear this one more time. You get the full impression. Money orchestrated the deaths of countless men, women, and children. He directed the December assault <laughs> and went on to assault Jesus. U.S. forces in Iraq. In Iraq? Well, is, what is he talking about, though? What happened in December? He was talking about the, uh, the assassination of Soleimani. Right, but he's like the December assault. I mean, what is was there like an embassy attack in December? Oh yeah, yeah. Soleimani um, directed the December assault on. Um, uh, on was, uh, maybe it was the embassy? missile attack on the. Um, uh, yeah, or oh. maybe the, those bases. No, the missile attack came after we killed him. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Where there were 50, we. 50 soldiers with headaches afterwards, according yeah. to mm. Trump. Yeah. All those. Yeah, just headaches. Headaches. Yeah, because all you need then is some Advil, so they'll be fine. But yeah, the December assault. So who knows what the fuck is wrong with him? I know there's a lot of theorizing happening on Twitter. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, but yeah, I think we're talking about a president who's got some sort of... I know there, there's also a lot of uh, uh, observations about him dragging his right leg or something like that. I, I, mm-hmm. didn't, I haven't noticed that. I know that he's knock-kneed, so he walks strangely with those giant baggy lifts. pants of his. Those, yeah. Right. It's the lifts, too, that probably make him walk awkwardly. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really hesitant to diagnose him from afar. I don't want to pull a... Uh, who was that guy? Who was the... Uh, fuck. Who was the... Um, Bill Frist. Oh, wasn't it? Bill yes, Frist. Frist. Yeah. Oh. Bill Frist. Who, was, who figured out what was wrong with Terry Schiavo from uh, 1,500 miles away. It's amazing his uh, skills as a physician. But here's the other thing about the State of the Union. Obviously, we all watched as Nancy Pelosi gratefully tore up the copy of the speech. And now you're. Which apparently f- is the greatest desecration of, of ever. ever. 
yes, printed that's right. matter ever. I mean, just like these people, these people who would happily burn piles and piles of books on evolution, yeah, you know, or science texts or anything that stands in the way of their you know, stupid hyper Christian worldview, but she should tear, God forbid, she should tear up the thing that her A printed mm-hmm. off of, you know, the email that they got from the White House. I just, That's right. Ugh. And now uh, your uh, buddy, uh, David, Matt Gates, is uh, filing an ethics complaint, <laughs> filing an ex- ethics complaint against Speaker Pelosi for destroying Donald Trump's State of the Union speech. He said it he was wrote, a copy. Oh, it was a copy. Right, right. He said here, her conduct was beneath the dignity of the House and a potential violation of law, 18 U.S. Code 2071. He said, nobody is above the law. Oh, the irony. (laughs) Holy fuck the balls to Mm -hmm. tweet uh, the day after Donald Trump is exonerated by the Senate that nobody is above the law. What a fucking clown show. I hate that our politics have become this. I know, me too. Yeah, that this this chuckle fuck, this guy who's like really like clearly has the IQ of a bowl of coleslaw <laughs> is, you know, is trying to have Nancy Pelosi drawn up on ethics charges. It's And you know that what the result will be, they'll be like, nothing happened here. She tore up a printout that came yeah, out of the printer yeah, 30 minutes before that. Yeah, it was a copy. It was a copy yeah, that yeah. maybe even, like, you know, and so. And it's, but it's going to waste all the. It's going to waste the House Ethics Committee's time. Yep. And however many tax dollars are paid to pay those people's salaries, you know, and it's just like all on a frivolous political nuh-uh point, you know, that could have been solved on a fifth grade playground. It's just it boggles the mind. Yep. What is supposed to be the greatest deliberative body in the country, you know, has become this freaking circus. Well, I, mean, I guess it kind of always has been, but it just. You want to you Go want ahead. me to read a story? I've got a story. I'm going to tell a story now. Uh, this story was written by Annie Carney, who is a uh, reporter for Politico, and this is uh, datelined June 10th, 2018. And here's the story: Solomon Lardy spent the first five months of the Trump administration working in the old executive office building, OEOB, for those of us in the know. Standing over a desk with scraps of paper spread out in front of him, Lardy, who earned an annual salary of $65,000 as a records management analyst, was a career government official with close to 30 years under his belt. But he had never seen anything like this in any previous administration he had worked for. He had never had to tape the president's papers back together again. Mm -hmm. Armed with rolls of clear scotch tape, Lardy and his colleagues would sift through large piles of shredded paper and put them back together. He said, like a jigsaw puzzle. That's a quote. Sometimes the papers would just be split down the middle, but other times they would be torn into pieces so small they looked like confetti. It was a painstaking process that was the result of a clash between legal requirements to preserve White House records and President Donald Trump's odd and enduring habit, odd and enduring habit of ripping up papers when he's done with them, what some people described as his unofficial filing system. This is something that the president does almost every single fucking day for the last three years as president of the United States. And they're making a big fucking deal over Nancy Pelosi ripping up the State of the Union address that was just a fucking copy and wasn't even the original one, which happened to be sitting in a binder on the podium unopened in front of Donald Trump. And by the way, if one of those teleprompters had gone out and I was praying for that to happen, 
<laughs> Donald Trump would have been screwed because normally what presidents do, and I'll come back to the tearing up thing. Normally what presidents do is they have the paper copy, they have the printed copy in front of them, and they keep track with the pages in front of them. That's what normal speakers do because if mm-hmm. the teleprompter goes out, they're screwed. They they don't know. They, I mean, how the hell was Donald Trump going to find his place? He's not Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton's teleprompter went out one time during a joint session, and Bill Clinton memorized the speech, so he just kept on talking. He, he went on for I don't know how many minutes without any teleprompter at all, but Donald Trump is not Bill Clinton. He doesn't have oh, that no. skill. Uh, but that was, you know, that was the actual copy of the address sitting in front of Trump, not the one that Nancy Pelosi tore up. But suffice to say, if Matt Gates and all of uh, all the other Donald Trump fanboys and disciples want to make a big fucking deal about what Nancy Pelosi did, then we're going to have to make a big fucking deal over Donald Trump's daily violations of 18 USC 2071. Mm-hmm. And so there's my little storytelling moment. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Well, yeah, thank you, but, but, thank, you Bob. thank you for the applause. Uh, but the other thing is, Omarosa, if you believe Omarosa and the things that she says, she says she actually witnessed Trump eating a document. <laughs> I mean, literally what? stuffing a document into his mouth. And it happened to be a sensitive do- former White House child, a- yeah. child, yeah. nine year old. I mean, exactly. seriously. Omarosa has said that she walked in on President Donald Trump eating paper after a meeting with lawyer Michael Cohen. <laughs> oh, my she- God. <laughs> we literally have a president paste eater. <laughs> According to an excerpt from the book obtained by the Washington Post, uh, Omarosa recalls, quote, I saw him put a note in his mouth. Since Trump was ever the germaphobe, I was shocked he appeared to be chewing and swallowing the paper. It must have been something very, very sensitive. So we can kind of take that maybe with a grain of salt, but given the other story from Politico that pretty well details Donald Trump's destruction of official documents and how that we actually are paying people, taxpayers are paying government officials to reassemble all the pages that Donald Trump, just because he's a fucking asshole, tears up and throws in the garbage. Please, God, they didn't have to retrieve the one he ate. Please, please say it. (laughs) Yeah, say hello to the epicac. Uh, I'm sure they made him vomit, and then they assembled the vomit-covered pieces of paper that are all probably mixed up with half-digested hamburgers. (laughs) By the way, half-digested hamburgers might be the name of today's show. I'm not committing to that. Today's show needs to be called Suck My Caucus. Um, (laughs) Well, how can that be? Because I I call Tuesday show caucus blockus oh that's fair okay. yeah so i don't know redundant I don't know. it's uh, it's redundant undis- redundant uh, <laughs> the song is redundant anyway so uh here's kind of other- disinfo about uh coronavirus i want to talk about this before we go any further oh, oh about coronavirus these- well, yeah ha- well hang on we'll come we'll we'll get to that okay. I, I promise you okay. we'll get okay. to coronavirus Sorry. after the after the break we're going to talk about coronavirus okay bossy pants t-rex but- yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But see, the problem is I got uh, breaking news from Buzz Burbank that Andrew Yang has just fired dozens of staffers. Why? And uh, he tagged it with hashtag math. (laughs) (laughs) Buzz. There he goes. There's the... There we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably Andrew Yang is winding down his campaign for president. Yeah, probably. And, and oh, you can hear maybe the... Maybe they 
Like sadness. All the bitcoins had gone bust or something. <laughs> you can hear the sadness and disappointment in my. <laughs> I know it is. It's so 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 sad. So, so sad. Um, you know who's insufferable. You know who's terrible. We're gonna do this. We take a break. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna take a break now before I get to who's okay. insufferable, because it's this also. Me. No, it's not you. Not this time. At least. Okay. <laughs> The uh, the liberal on cable news who is really super duper insufferable. We'll talk about that right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! Don't show me your false king, your tabernacle, your religion. Don't show me your wedding ring or your much applauded vision. As this is John Terlazzo, Ancient Chains, from his brand new Ancient Chains album. Oh, I love this. Brand new submission here on the show, and of course we're going to play it in its entirety on the Indie Music Countdown coming up at the end of the month. Okay, moving along here. Um, oh yeah, by the I way. I like those lyrics. Reminds me of Leonard Cohen. Yes, me too. Holy shit. Really, really good. I, I want to talk about, too, uh, real quick. Uh, only 24 hours left to buy a tiny Trump mug from our Buy Our Crap store. I'm going to take the tiny Trump mug off the market Friday afternoon. That is tomorrow, February 7. It's done. After we're done recording the after party, it comes off the market and you may or may not be able to buy one ever again, ever. I said it was for a limited time, and I mean limited time. Okay, moving along here. Uh, you know who's insufferable? Van Jones is insufferable. Here was his reaction to the State mm. of the Union. Still still looking for Donald Trump to be presidential. Desperate for it. He said, wake up, folks. The Iowa caucus was a debacle, followed by a strong State of the Union speech laying out Trump's strategy to win, which includes going for black voters, which is never going to happen. This was a warning shot from Trump to liberals and we need to take this very seriously in order to win yeah you, you think we need to take things seriously in order to win van johnson that's why you earn the big bucks because yeah that's an original cutting edge thought right there yeah seriously and then uh, <laughs> and then nor o'donnell not to be outdone nor o'donnell jumped in with the douchebaggery here and said yeah this was a speech unlike any other i have witnessed from president donald trump the reality tv president took on the state of the union a master showman at his best yeah. you know <laughs> my, my, what are they doing? Who are these idiots? It's like, ooh, shiny lights, pretty. Oh, you know, I just I know. Heard, heard. my critical thinking skills have been completely destroyed. <laughs> like, I mean, what's going on? No, I was pandering. It was disgusting pandering with human shields. You know, yep. I mean, and one half the chamber licking his taint and applauding every single <laughs> line he said. And the other half of the chamber sitting there stone faced going, I can't believe I have to sit here for this display of love. 
lies, bragger. I mean, just complete braggadocio and unfounded mm. hubris. I mean, yeah. it was just it was it was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's a masterstroke of showmanship. Blow me. You know, I mean, fucking Lady Gaga has more showmanship in her sound tech than that guy had in his speech mm. the other night. I mean, yeah. just for fuck's sake, are you really that easily duped and entertained? Are you really that easily conned? I mean, uh, sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you fucking idiots. Again, yeah. I mean, this has been, I, I got to say, a terrible week for cable news. I think it's mm-hmm. been a worse week for cable news, specifically MSNBC and CNN, than it's been for the Democratic Party. Because mm-hmm. you stick these people in a situation where they're expecting to cover a caucus and election results and so on, and then something happens that they don't get what they were planning for, and then they have to fill all of that time with nothing. And so what do they do? They land on bullshit like this. And, and suffice to say, I know Van Jones doesn't need any excuse to be a douchebag, but <laughs> there it is anyway, uh, trying to fill all of that, uh, that just empty time with stuff uh, all night long and all into the next day and days and days and days on end. What do we say about this? I don't know. Uh, maybe Donald Trump was uh, miraculously presidential again. You know, like it was when he was mispronouncing words and lying and talking about how he's supporting legislation that will sentence pregnant women to death. Yep. And then the Republican side standing up and cheering. Yeah, it was so presidential. So presidential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I want to say real quick, I was going to play a clip of Mitt Romney, but for some reason my board has crashed, my soundboard has crashed. So I don't mm-hmm. have the, the audio of Mitt Romney delivering his uh, remarks about his vote to convict the other day. But I do have to say that Mitt Romney's vote, I think, is one of the most courageous things I've seen from a Republican Again, I've seen lots of courageousness from Democrats. Uh, This is a super courageous thing for Mitt Romney to do, given the (laughs) backlash that he is surely facing now, not just from the president, not just from the president's uh, Patrick Bateman's son, Jr., uh, but from the Red Hat Army, from members of Congress, they want to kick him out. <laughs> They're actually orchestrating a campaign to kick Mitt Romney out yeah. of the Republican Party. And here's why that's stupid. They only have a four-vote majority in right. the Senate. They, they, Please, we'll take it. You and, know, I mean, I don't yeah. like the guy, but if he wants to vote with Democrats and caucus with us, hey, yeah. come yeah. on down. <laughs> this remind, I had a sense listening to Mitt Romney, though. It reminded me of that Aesop's fable where the the mice elect the one mouse to go hang the bell around the cat's neck. <laughs> yeah. You know, I felt like he was speaking for a lot of people who were keeping their mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, and I, I don't applaud that because I think they should be out being open, you know, taking mm-hmm. the slings and arrows instead of just nominating the one guy to go out there and be the foil for the entire party. Yeah. But I just like I definitely there was a sense to me that he was speaking for other people who were not brave enough to keep their to stand their ground. Well, I mean, because he not only voted to convict with the Democrats, making this a bipartisan vote to convict. Mm -hmm. But he did it in a way that was leaving no stone unturned. He didn't pull his punches. He said exactly, exactly why he was going to vote that way, laid it out in significant detail as to why the president needed to be removed from office for violating his oath, for violating the law, for trying to cheat in the election, for exploiting military aid in that endeavor. 
I mean, even if he had voted yes, the remarks alone, or voted to no, not voted to not mm-hmm, convict, right. the right. remarks alone would have gotten him into serious trouble. And Donald Trump Absolutely. during yeah during that rant today, uh, the the wine gasm in the White House that happened earlier today, uh, Donald Trump went off again about Mitt Romney and about how Mitt Romney was hiding behind religion, which is. So fucking rich oh. uh, and so ridiculous coming from Donald Trump, given uh, the, <laughs> I mean, good God, the, the, uh, we all know how Donald Trump is being artificially propped up by all these uh, evangelicals who are selling out their faith in order to support this fucking destructive clown who has nothing to do with religion or God or Jesus, knows nothing about the Bible, who still says things like, Two Corinthians, because he doesn't understand that you say it. Second Corinthians. These are things mm-hmm. that Donald Trump, does. when he's asked, you know, what's his favorite Bible? I like them all. I like all, all of the Bible passages. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. You know what? We didn't get to the coronavirus thing. No, we did not. I feel like it's important because it's okay. part and parcel with my belief that we need to, as a group, be savvy media consumers in the next several months leading up to the election. And I'm seeing people uncritically passing these videos around that are in Chinese and they don't speak Chinese so that they could be saying absolutely anything at all about coronavirus. What I've heard officially about coronavirus is it is no more deadly. It's less deadly than your average flu. Mm. It's of particular concern to elderly men for some reason or elderly patients. Uh, And as a result, certain people who traveled in China for the lunar holiday for the New Year's are not being allowed to go back to their homes right now because they don't want a bunch of old people getting sick and dying right after New Year's. Um, So it's just it's like an average flu. It's not that intense. I mean, but people are sending things around. I got a video that I've passed on now to Snopes to find to get verified because it was like this panic-looking woman in a you know level four biohazard suit, like talking into a camera at a mile a minute, and she. But you know, it's like she's like like our lamentable asshole in the White House says she was straight from central casting. She had beautiful, perfect skin, mm-hmm. and she looked like a TV character. And I'm thinking this is probably footage from some Chinese TV movie about a yeah. pandemic that someone has repurposed to weaponize as disinformation against us ahead of the 2020 election. <laughs> so please, people. Before you share or pass on anything, get it verified from two or more sources. Yes. Uh, you're Just at- like, let's, you know, this is a key component of Russia's war against us right now. Yeah. Is getting us to share things that spread panic and disinformation and turn us against each other. So before you participate in the sharing of any social media, verify it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? These days we tend to see things through the prism of the fiction that we have ingested. We seem seem to see things as movies and that because there is this coronavirus that might be a pandemic, we automatically go to the movie Outbreak. We go to, what was the other one Mm -hmm. with uh, Matt Damon? And, uh, oh God, I forget. Contagion? Yes, Contagion. That was it. And, uh, And we automatically go to that when, in fact, it's probably not going to be that. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I gotta say, I tried to watch Outbreak and it was just, it was not good. Oh yeah. And I, and I, you know, I was supposed to feel these feelings of sympathy for Kevin Spacey in that movie. And I was just completely incapable. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Die predator. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, well, okay. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, of course, if you want to listen to uh, David Ferguson, it is patreon.com slash the T-Rex report. Uh, Jody Hamilton's podcast is called From the Bunker. You can find that at from-the-bunker.com. Also at sexyliberal.com. And, uh, oh, Jody is still on Twitter, unlike uh, T-Rex, who is not on Twitter. <laughs> Jody's on Twitter at From the Bunker Jr. Or that's From the Bunker yes. Jr. at the end J-R. of uh, Twitter. Yes. And uh, definitely a good follow. Uh, okay, that is it. We will see you uh, on the Postmortem Show. That's coming up next on our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. Uh, that's it. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Bye, folks. Bye.